What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Former FBI Assistant Director Frank Figluzzi. Join me on a journey deep inside the world's premier law enforcement agency to decode the mysteries and challenges of today's FBI. The threats facing America are as real as the men and women who battle to protect us. In this first of a kind podcast, we sit down with active duty FBI personnel who reveal their mission, their cases, and their lives. Let's go inside the Bureau with Frank Figluzzi. Now the National Academy is the FBI's crown jewel. The threat is always evolving and morphing and so the training has to shift with it. And a lot of them build lifelong friendships. You call them health and fitness instructors, new agent trainees may call them sadomasochists. One of the most violent and deadliest cities in America. A city called Hogan's Alley. It's a partnership from beginning to end. What happens when no one speaks up during abuses? It's a very diverse looking group compared to back when you and I came through. They are taught how to apply deadly force as well. Our guest on this episode is Assistant Director Renee McDermott, head of the FBI's training division, who leads the famed FBI Academy in Quantico, Virginia. Renee, welcome. Thank you, Frank. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure, uh, particularly since it's been, gosh, about 20 years since you and, and I both served in the FBI's Miami division. Just a few things have happened uh, since then, not the least of which is you've become an assistant director. And I want to dive right into that and have you tell us about your journey, Renee, into the Bureau and your assignments throughout your career. So my uh, my journey started approximately 32 years ago in Washington, D.C. Um, right out of uh, college, I began uh, my career with the FBI as an FBI police officer uh, in Washington, D.C. 
So the FBI police are uh, a force that is located um, in Washington, D.C., our West Virginia and New York City, Quantico at the academy here as well. So it's a recognized police uh, department. Now, Renee, you've used a phrase, FBI police, that is likely unfamiliar to most of our listeners. What is the FBI police department? So the FBI police department is a fully functioning uh, police department within the city of Washington, D.C., as well as New York City, here at the FBI Academy at Quantico and at CEGIS. Um, so men and women begin their careers as FBI police and some eventually uh, transition out to be special agents, such as what I did, um, and or intelligence analysts, and or they remain FBI police for their entirety of their career. All right. So the FBI police protect, it sounds, the property and people in some of the largest FBI facilities around the country have police powers, likely, correct me if I'm wrong, in the in the vicinity of, of the, either the city or the immediate adjacent blocks around the building, including FBI headquarters. Do I have that right? Yes, FBI headquarters, as well as wa- the Washington field office located in Washington, D.C. Gotcha. And um, my memories um, mostly at headquarters were, you know, being greeted virtually every day, walking into work into the big J. Edgar Hoover building at 10th and Pennsylvania and seeing not only the uniformed uh, FBI police, but their trusty canines who um, were likely trying to detect bombs or other things. Uh, is that is that part of the department, the canine unit? Yes. Canine unit is also part of the um, department as well as bicycle um, patrol, also with vehicles as any other police force um, across America has. So it basically is a police force and they are all FBI uh, employees, uh, men and women of the FBI that that hold these positions. So um, what was your next step in your FBI career? So my next step after being a police officer was I transferred into the FBI laboratory division. I was a firearms and tool marks technician. That entailed evidence that would be that would come in from our state, federal, and local partners um, and or our FBI offices to be analyzed, primarily firearms and uh, tool marks specifically. But we worked hand-in-hand daily with other units in the lab to process the evidence that our partners and or agents would send in to the FBI for forensic examination. And was it from that lab position that you ultimately entered the FBI Academy as a new agent trainee? Yes, I was a professional staff employee um, for five years prior to becoming um, an FBI special agent and entering the Academy in July of 1994. Yeah, I, and and there's there's got to be some sense of... Uh, both humility and uh, irony as you now head that very academy that you walked into many, many years ago as a new agent. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I try. I have to tell myself it's not like it was back then when I am making decisions and or leading um, the team here. Uh, so it's hard not to think back of how it once was back in the day. Yeah, indeed. So tell us about your um, your path as an agent. Um, where did the FBI send you and what are some of the things you've done? 
So my path as an agent, when I graduated from the academy, I was uh, fortunate enough to be sent to the Miami division, where I spent 10 years. Right out of the academy, I was assigned to the bank robbery squad and hit the ground running uh, the first day. Back in 1994, it seemed like bank robberies were at an all-time high, especially in the Miami division and some other of the larger cities. So I really um, got my feet wet early on and were trained by the men and women on the bank robbery squad who have a long history um, in the FBI as well. So they were a majority of senior agents. So they uh, they trained me very well. Yeah, there's no shortage of work in the, uh, in the FBI's Miami division. That's for sure. After 10 years at FBI Miami, where did you head next? After my 10 years in Miami, where I also worked public corruption and after the events of 9-11 um, counterterrorism, at my 10-year mark, I promoted to supervisory special agent in the Iraq unit of the counterterrorism division. There, I oversaw a region of counterterrorism investigations related to Iraqi nationals. And also, our unit was responsible for leading the team of agents and analysts and others who physically went to Iraq and helped in Operation Iraqi Freedom. Yeah, that's a whole aspect um, that we've discussed on other episodes of the podcast, which is the uh, boots on the ground aspect of the FBI's counterterrorism mission. All right. You, you know, you've already demonstrated years of very diverse experience uh, across the FBI from bank robbery to terrorism, working in the lab, working as a police officer, public corruption. What was next for Renee McDermott after the uh, counterterrorism division at headquarters? After leaving the counterterrorism division, I was fortunate enough to move to Dallas, Texas, and became the criminal enterprise supervisor uh, in the Dallas office of the FBI, where I led um, and oversaw task force officers and agents uh, who were conducting violent crime, which ended up being bank robbery, kidnapping, extortion, organized crime, and gang-related um, investigations. Even even more exposure to the FBI mission. I, I'm already seeing how all of this contributes to your current job of overseeing the training of of agents and analysts. What was next after Dallas? After Dallas, I transferred to the Human Resources Division. I was in the Human Resources Division for approximately five years. Um, while there, I worked in the Leadership Development Program and was assigned to the training portion of the Leadership Development Program. So from the training aspect, I was tasked with looking at creating an onboarding new employee program. And we partnered with Accenture to create that. So a lot of focus groups, a lot of input from the field, from current supervisors to folks that weren't in leadership or management at the time and created a holistic onboarding of new employees when they came to the FBI. So the program is still in existence uh, to this day. Uh, very proud of that as it bonds all new employees to the organization. They get a little bit of history. They process through their human resources paperwork. Um, they learn the FBI's core values, what's expected of them, an overview of the organization. And more importantly, they also form a network that they have of people that they enter with on their first day 
Um, so they're not only bonded to the organization, but they also bond with new employees and peers um, that are ready-made that they have had the opportunity to meet for their first five days. So when they leave and go to their respective field offices or headquarters divisions, they have a network where they can call one another as support, ask questions, and a lot of them build lifelong friendships. Yeah, this sounds like it addressed a long, uh, a long-standing gap. Uh, the FBI is such a large organization with so many different field offices and functions, and so many different roles, uh, job job roles. That it was not surprising that there seemed to not be a common orientation onboarding across all roles, across all offices. And this also sounds like you, this was a springboard for you to head toward uh, having had the HR experience, the onboarding implementation. I can see where this is going since we know the, we know how this ends. You're, you're now the head of training. Tell us how you got from what, 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 what happened between that HR experience and where you are now? Yeah, sure. Also, um, if I may uh, share, we also have not only the onboarding, but with that training component of the leadership development program, we created frontline um, supervisor training as well as senior leader training, which currently are housed at the FBI Academy as well. So we also have that. Those were three longstanding trainings which were created and continue to this day. After uh, Human Resources Division, I was assigned to the Albuquerque field office as the criminal um, administrative and cyber um, assistant special agent in charge. All right. So you've you've all, you've found yourself in a number two position in a in a field office. Great leadership experience, and and bring us up to speed from there. So from there, um, I had the responsibility of overseeing. You know the criminal, the administrative portions of the office, hiring, uh, things of that nature, as well as our cyber investigations for the entire state. So we had five RAs. And again, there was always something going on. I already had the opportunity while I was in Miami to serve on the evidence response team. So as the assistant special agent in charge, I was also oversaw that operation for the Albuquerque field office um, as well. Uh, from Albuquerque, I was selected um, to be the special assistant to the FBI director. I served in that position for approximately 20 months. And after that, found myself lucky enough to become the special agent in charge of the Knoxville field office in Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah, I've often said uh, during my my own FBI career, it was it was often said that the, some of the, the two greatest jobs perhaps in the FBI were field agent and special agent in charge for, for various reasons. And you certainly have had both of those. And then after after special agent in charge, where did you head? After special agent in charge, I landed and luckily at the training division where I currently um, am now. I left Knoxville to become the deputy assistant uh, director of the training division. And after a year serving in that capacity, I was promoted to the assistant director until now. Yeah. And, you know, I we're spending some time talking about your pathway to assistant director, because I think it's so important for our listeners to understand 
the leadership experience and training that goes into an FBI career and the value, the benefits of having held all of these various positions because they inform who you are as a leader. Now let's jump right into the academy and specifically new agents training. If our listeners were to sit in the back row of a, a new agent training class, w- what would they see? What, what does that class look like? How many people? How long is it? And what are the different categories of training? So the basic field training course is what we currently uh, reference to back in the day as new agent training. It's the basic field training course now because in this course, it's doesn't only include agents. It also includes intelligence analysts for the FBI. So each BFTC class, the basic field training class, comprised of 200 students. Any given time, classes could be 180 agents to 20 analysts or 145 agents to, and the remainder analysts. And they enter upon an integrated curriculum. So the agents are here for 18 weeks and the analysts are here for 11 weeks. But during the time, the first 11 weeks prior to the analyst graduation, they um, work together and learn together until the, the intelligence analyst graduation. At the time of the graduation for the analysts, the agents who they have gone and entered with attend their graduation the morning of their graduation, which is great for them to see their their peers leaving and hopefully we'll work with them once they get and arrive at their field office or headquarters division. And then the agents from week 11 to 18 delve more into their law enforcement skills arena, um, training more in depth with firearms, the practical applications, their tactical training, their physical fitness, uh, things of that nature. Yeah, this uh, this transition, this um, co-location, co-training of the intelligence analysts with the new agent trainees certainly did not happen when I, uh, eons ago, when when I came through the academy. And it it truly was a function of of 9-11 and the realization that the new bureau was going to be intelligence driven. And, you know, in the old days of an agent showing up in his or her field office and for the first time encountering these people called intelligence analysts, that that wasn't working. And so I applaud this this effort uh, so that when everybody hits their field office door, they've already worked together. They're already familiar with what is brought to the table by by each of those so again, the continuing the theme, let's talk a little bit about that new agent training. You talked about firearms, defensive tactics, classroom academics. Give us some detail on on what that looks like on a week to week basis for a new agent trainee. Yes. So the agents, the new agent trainees embark upon, you know, four hour block, say one day, say, for example, today. I arrived at 7.30, saw the new agents running over to the range. So a group of 50 will run over to the range. So that 200 um, that I spoke about earlier is broken down into four groups, an Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, and Delta, each consisting of 50 students. Um, Majority of those are special agents and Approximately five to 10 at any given time are also analysts. So there still is that integrated part that I spoke about previously. So this morning, per se, a group of 
50 are running over to the range in their bulletproof vests, their hats, their goggles, their, their ear protection, going running across the street from the academy across the street to where the FBI ranges are located to receive their weapons and then proceed to particular firing range to commence on four hours of firearms training. That firearms training will consist of tactical type of maneuvering from cars, shoot, no shoot situations to qualification practice where they are qualifying as all agents are required to do for the remainder of their career, qualifying um, through a series of of stages and at different distances where they must show the proficiency of firearms to qualify to be able to carry the weapon and remain um, administratively sound in the event they are involved in in any scenario or shooting in the real world um, once they once they graduate. So it teaches them the proficiency that that they need and they continue on with. Then they come back and they'll have lunch for about an hour and maybe check their, get their mail that their loved ones have sent. And then in the afternoon, they could be in the gym for four hours learning defensive tactics, which handcuffing, how to get out of a fight situation, and what they're taught there prepares them to be able to protect themselves, each other, and or innocent citizens that they um, will act to protect in a situation that they come upon. And also trains them to know the proper techniques to handcuff search of a person that they've arrested once they're out in the field. Yeah. And uh, I, I've got to say, I thought my academy experience was just stellar in terms of feeling that I had been trained by the best folks in the world, um, from firearms to defensive tactics, and, and especially even in the classroom. Talk about the academics. What, um, you've, got, you've got these tired bodies that have been wrestling and shooting, and now they, uh, they hit the classroom perhaps uh, tomorrow morning. What, what are they learning? What's that like? They're learning, obviously, legal. Um, so legal block could consist of two hours where they're learning how to apply the law. They are given a huge responsibility to protect and serve and uphold the Constitution of the United States. Let's take a short break, then get right back to Conquering Quantico with Assistant Director Renee McDermott. If you enjoy podcasts, it's likely you also prefer listening to your books. I find a greater connection to the story and the author when I listen to the books on my reading list. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment all in one place. At Audible, you find the largest selection of audiobooks from bestsellers and new releases to business, motivation, and more, including my own bestseller, The FBI Way, Inside the Bureau's Code of Excellence. You can find it and thousands more on Audible. I listen to Audible when I'm on long road trips or getting a workout in. An Audible member gets one credit every month for any title in the entire premium selection. The latest bestsellers, best new releases, or that bucket list title you've been meaning to pick up. Those titles become yours forever. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Because you're listening to The Bureau, just visit audible.com bureau or text bureau to 500-500.
Today's episode of The Bureau is brought to you by Helix Sleep. If you want to finally get a good night's rest, all you need is two minutes. Just go to helixsleep.com slash bureau, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match your body type and individual sleep preferences to a customized mattress to give you your best sleep of your life. A good night's sleep means a lot to me. And with Helix, you get a mattress that is customized to be perfect for the way you sleep. Helix has soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattress is great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Mattress is great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains. And even a Helix Plus mattress for plus-size sleepers. And the delivery and setup are fast and easy. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews and is recommended by leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving sleep. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. Helix even has a financing option and flexible payment plans, so a great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash bureau. And we're back with the head of the famed FBI Academy. So... We have a legal team here who trains them on the rules of evidence and collection, how to open an investigation, what rules and investigative procedures that they must follow in opening an investigation um, and continuing on um, with gaining legal authority for the issuance of search warrants, arrest warrants, um, and things of that nature. So they will have legal training, which consists of, of that. Um, they also are trained in judgmental shooting, um, where they're put in a room with their partner and the legal instructors will run them through a scenario on the screen and depending on how they, the agent trainees react or don't react, the legal instructor, they can have the person on the screen react a certain way to see how the agent will respond, a shoot, a no shoot situation. And they're learning the deadly force and how to apply it and when to apply it. And they are, during that segment, they are also asked questions after the scenario is completed. The legal instructor will ask them why they said a certain thing, why they responded a certain way, or why they didn't react a certain way. So it really gives them, without putting them out into the street in their first real-world situation, obviously is different than a training video, but they are, they are taught how to apply deadly force as well. Yeah, I and so much is in the news these days about uh, police uh, excessive use of force and defensive tactics. And without even going into those individual stories, I, I can tell you every time that I see these play out in the news, I just think back very thankfully to the training that, that we all received, uh, not only at the academy, but continually throughout our career. It, it Many of these controversial incidents often come back to training. Tell us, uh, Renee, about what else is going on at the academy. So you've got these new agent classes, but who else is at the academy? What else does the FBI do at Quantico and what else do you oversee? At the academy, besides the new agent and analyst training, we also have um, the National Academy. Now, the National Academy is the FBI's crown jewel. It's known around the world, um, obviously domestically, internationally. It's comprised of local, state, federal, tribal, and international partners. Uh, police officers who attend the National Academy are selected 
and vetted through their local field offices and or legal attache office uh, internationally. Um, they are recommended. They go through um, interview, physical fitness training to see if they meet the minimum requirements to attend the academy. And then they are recommended um, by an FBI representative and supported by those representatives from the field. And they attend a 10-week um, training here at the FBI Academy as well. Right now with COVID, we have not had a National Academy session uh, running since last March. Yeah, I, re I recall uh, fondly uh, and surprisingly as a new agent trainee, you know, sitting in the cafeteria, uh, the dining hall at Quantico and seeing guys and gals from faraway places, you know, France, Australia, Asia, Africa, and, and you know, just asking, who, who are these people? And yeah, they're, they're in ex executive police training from around the world provided by the FBI. And that that is so incredibly valuable for the work in the field to find, I, I you know, later found in my career, if I needed to interact, um, which was frequently with uh, with local state police officials, and I knew that they had attended the FBI National Academy, that relationship was instant. Um, there was a common, common factor there. And I, I can't say enough good things about the FBI's National Academy. Tell us about the instructors, both for FBI personnel and at the FBI's National Academy at Quantico. Where do you get your instructors from? Our instructors for both the BFTC and the National Academy come from within and or externally. For instance, for our BFTC, we have agents and or intelligence analysts that have had a um, vast amount of experiences uh, from their work in the field and are at headquarters that apply for jobs to instruct in the BFTC. Uh, we also have agents with master's degrees and above who apply to lead and teach the National Academy um, instruction portion. Both of those, the new agent training and the National Academy, also have a pillar that is physical fitness. So our physical fitness instructors come from within and or we have a number of them that are health and fitness instructors that are from the outside um, that have either come from professional athletic teams um, or other law enforcement um, agencies as well who lead the new agents and the National Academy students through their physical fitness portions and their health and wellness as well and nutrition. You call them health and fitness instructors. New agent trainees may call them sadomasochists, but I'll 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 leave that in the we had we had a few in particular who just loved to have us box and run with medicine balls over our head, and um, it was always an always an adventure. But we were definitely in shape when we were done with with that experience. Hey, there's a portion of the academy at Quantico that to many might look like the uh, a Hollywood movie set, and that's a mock city called. Hogan's Alley. Tell us what Hogan's Alley is what is, and what it's used for. So Hogan's Alley is one of the most violent and deadliest cities in America. A lot of bad things happen here on a daily basis, which the new agent trainees solve and make arrests and do their takedowns, their investigations, um, arrests in a safe environment while learning how to apply 
deadly force, the tactics, the defensive tactics, um, and everything that they've been learning at, at firearms um, in their physical fitness training, their practical applications, and their and their tactics. That is where they apply what they learn. Um, on any given day, you could have a bar fight at the pool hall. You could have a bank robbery. Um, you also have a hardware store now where uh, bomb components can be bought from. Um, so you have a plethora of investigative gold mines for whatever criminal activity that um, the new agents are going to be confronted here with while at training, but will use and already have a little experience in a safe environment prior to getting out into the real world and having to do um, their investigations. Yeah, I, uh, you, say, you say it's one of the most violent cities in America. I think it also has some of the most arrested people with the longest rap sheets in America because there are there's role playing uh, that that's done. Um, people have to portray themselves as bank robbers or witnesses. Uh, where do you get those folks uh, from who actually play that role and get chased by FBI agents and arrested every day? They're from our community, um, and they are considered uh, contract employees. Um, some in the past have been husbands or wives or young adults of FBI employees who are uh, looking for employment, outside employment. So they volunteer to and or choose to work here at Quantico. So we keep it in the family, uh, so to speak. Um, but majority of them come from the outside, from the community. And they come from all walks of life. Some are bankers themselves. Some are um, moms. Some are school teachers. Some are retired law enforcement. A good cross section of the community. What we'll do is, if they're there, we'll pull them out into the staircase outside. We'll clear that first room and gain a good foothold in that in that first uh, in that first room, and then we'll kind of use that as uh, both a cash collection point. And Many of the students here find the law enforcement skills portion of our training very demanding. We want to closely replicate what we think people are going to see in the field. FBI, search warrant, open the door. There's a big night. A uh, big day that happens in the in the course of uh, a new agent uh, trainee's life at the academy, and that's the day they find out where their first field office assignment is going to be. Tell us how that works, and uh, tell us about what flag night is. The trainees are very excited on the night that they receive their orders. Um, some are so happy they cry. Some are a little disappointed and they cry. So either way, um, there is some crying um, involved. When they enter, they are allowed to rank regions of the country where they would like to be assigned um, and then working with Human Resources Division based on the needs of the FBI, assignments are made where openings are needed most. So. Currently, with the large group of 200 and broken into four sets or, or four sections of 50, again, agents and analysts in the section of 50, they sit in their classroom, they have their envelope with their name on it, 
the class staff supervisor and class counselors um, run the flag night in the tiered classroom. So picture a tiered classroom with the students sitting in a tiered classroom. And there's a map of the United States with their picture on it and a thumbtack. So they randomly get their name pulled out of a, a hat, so to speak, and they're called to the front of the room. They explain where they would like to go and where they think they'll go. They then open their orders and they read aloud to the class where they're going. And then they walk to the, the map of the United States and find their face and find their city and put their um, thumbtack their their face to the city of where they're being assigned. So that is a huge night for everybody. Um, it's very exciting. It's one of the um, longest running traditions that still um, happens at the academy and and they look forward to it. Everybody looks forward to it. It's it's a fun, fun evening for them. I, I'm, yeah, I'm sure for the instructors and class counselors, it's also entertainment. But I, and, I, and I'm and I'm sure that some for some of those uh, trainees, uh, finding that that new city on the map may be the first time they've ever had to look for that particular location uh, before. And um, there's a neat thing that happens once they know where they're headed after graduation, and it's an intersection with the, the police officers who are training uh, concurrently at the National Academy. Tell us about that. Yes, that um, intersection with the National Academy and the BFTC students um, happens on an evening which is called Flag Night. So in our cafeteria at the FBI Academy, it is surrounded by open windows, floor to ceiling. Above those windows where everybody sits and has breakfast, lunch, and or dinner are the American flags hanging. So once the new agents and analysts receive their orders and they know the city that they are going to be assigned to, flag night is, is put on, is held, and the National Academy officers that are from that particular state will go and stand under their state flag. And that is how the new agent or analyst knows, say, for example, Miami, and that's in the state of Florida. So all officers that are from the state of Florida will go stand under the state of Florida's flag primarily. And then the new agents or analysts will go over there and introduce themselves, and they already start forming that uh, connectivity and network. So when they arrive per se in Miami, they already have a partner that they could possibly call on if if need be. So that's another tradition that um, has been longstanding, which forms that ever necessary uh, and needed partnership in law enforcement. Yeah. Um, so we ch- start it early on with the new agents and analysts because it's a partnership from beginning to end. Indeed it is, and and it's a great tradition. Um, Tell us about some of the changes you've witnessed in your career uh, since you uh, initially went through the academy. When you look out at at classes now, um, what changes do you see in the curriculum and even in the student body? So the changes in the curriculum and the student body. So regarding the curriculum, per se, when you and I went through, we came in with a class of between 38 to 53. And then a month later, another class came in of new agents only, um, class of between 38 to 53. And you were with your particular class the entire time. That type of 
class size and structure changed in 2015 when a lot of hard work and dedication from those that are some that are still here and some that have retired and some that have moved on in their bureau career um, created what is currently the 18-week integrated agent curriculum, which embeds with the analyst um, with their 10-week um, curriculum. So the integrated curriculum is a huge change. Um, before, we did not have that. We had just agents go to agents training and analysts go to analyst training. So I would say the big change has been integration and all the hard work uh, that has gone into that. And we're still currently, as I said previously, running the BFTC classes um, as we speak. Brene, tell us about how frequently you re- review the curriculum for relevance, um, for addressing the current threat out there. How do you, how frequently do you go through and say, hey, it's time to add something or change something? So as the current curriculum stands now, we do approximately every two years a curriculum refresh um, of the BFTC classes and courses, as well as the National Academy. We will do that so the curriculum remains relevant. Our instructors are also um, remain up on the, the changes and know the different uh, changes that have, that have occurred. They learn uh, the new curriculum. If we make um, those changes, they have to remain current and updated with their training plans and stay current in their instruction to the, the BFTC. Before COVID hit, we did a 14 office visit with new agents, the analysts, and the um, strategic operations specialists as well, along with leadership and management in the field offices, and went through each task and that is part of the curriculum to determine what needs to be tweaked, changed, removed, added. Um, So that was invaluable. And the 14 offices, we were very grateful for their time and also for what they shared with us as to maybe where we had some gaps that we weren't realizing based on the needs that they need their trainees as in their agents and their analysts and and their strategic operations specialists, where they need them, where those gaps were and what we needed to do to fill those gaps to make them uh, be able to hit the ground running. Yeah, got it. Uh, The threat is always evolving and morphing. And so the training has to has to shift with it. Tell us, um, in, in terms of training, what, what parts of the curriculum go toward the preservation? I'm sure all of them do, the preservation of civil rights, but particularly the abuses that could occur throughout history. There's a, there's a visit that happens, a couple of interesting field trips, so to speak, that take place during training. Tell us about those. Yes, there are a few of those field trips that occur, the first one being to the 9-11 Memorial Museum in New York City. Our current director, Director Ray, felt it important for the trainees that are coming on board now to understand the meaning of service over self and to never forget, to understand what the men and women have done before them um, and what they will continue doing going forward. Um, The significance of that being that most of the trainees that we're hiring now that are coming on board into the FBI, some were not born on 9-11, some were babies and some were in grade school. Um, So Director Ray 
implemented that into their curriculum within their first week so they understand the significance of the events of that day and to never forget and what they're learning going forward and upholding the Constitution and protecting and serving the American people is their focus. Uh, Secondarily, um, along the civil rights and or um, color of law and or preserving um, the rights of those that they protect and serve would be visits to the Holocaust Museum and also to the Martin Luther King Memorial. The Holocaust Museum was an initiative brought on by Director Muller, and the visit to the Martin Luther King Memorial was an initiative from Director Comey. Yeah, you know, over the the National Archives building in Washington, there's an an engraved, uh, simple engraved phrase, and it says, the past is prologue, which is a fancy way of saying History can repeat itself. We can learn a lot from history, and and that includes what happens when a military or national police department uh, or a bad, bad leader can take over. And uh, the Holocaust Museum is a reminder of what happens when no one speaks up uh, during abuses. Uh, And the MLK Memorial just uh, reminds us of far more recent past that um, we've got a role to play in law enforcement and as citizens uh, in preserving everybody's civil rights. And the FBI, as many people may not know, is the the primary um, civil rights enforcement agency of, of the U.S. government. Renee, what, what else strikes you as you look over a, a class uh, these days? What, uh, what impresses you? So looking at the classes coming in now compared to back when you and I uh, came through, um, the classes are much more diverse. They're um, a lot of highly educated, um, not that we weren't, but they a lot come in with master's degrees, some with their doctorates, a lot with multiple languages. They're very well and formally educated. And it is a very diverse looking group. Um, The diversity is important for not only um, the FBI, but any police department. But in the FBI, we focus on diversity because we have to be able to blend in society to do our work um, and do it well. And we must reflect the communities that we serve. So the FBI has a huge um, diversity. It's one of our core values. And we, our class makeup surely proves that. Because as I look out into the sea of the auditorium and see 200 bright-eyed men and women, um, it's a very diverse looking group compared to back when you and I came through. Indeed, law enforcement agencies need to look like the communities that they police and protect, and the FBI should should be a model uh, of that. T- tell us also, Renee, um, about kind of the the average uh, age or um, where these folks are coming from. Are are there career changers? Are there folks who say, you know what, I want what the FBI offers, and I'm willing to leave the career I'm currently in. Yes, a majority of them, this is a career change for them. The average age of particularly an FBI new agent trainee is approximately 31 to 35. There are instances where they're younger 
maybe 25, 28. Um, but the majority of the new agent trainees that, that enter into the academy range in that range that I previously spoke about. Um, therefore, they have had a career prior to um, becoming an FBI uh, trainee, whether it be an accountant, an attorney, a school teacher from the military as an officer or a special forces um, background, um, they come from all walks of life. And that gets back to the diversity um, aspect as well. All right. I th- I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, that's essential. This has been a great conversation with Assistant Director Renee McDermott, who's walked us through the FBI Academy at Quantico, Virginia. It's been great to catch up with you, Renee. Please uh, accept our thanks for all you do to keep America safe and to train those who keep our nation secure. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Frank. Appreciate the opportunity and uh, great catching up with you as well. Same here. Thanks, Renee. Thanks for listening to Episode 9 of The Bureau with Frank Figluzzi. Please join us next time when we talk to a veteran FBI agent who has helped lead evidence response teams at some of the highest profile crime scenes in modern history. If you're a fan of those CSI TV shows, this episode is for you. The Bureau is written by Frank Fagluzzi and executive produced by Allison Gill with sound design and editing by Molly Hockey. This show is engineered by Matt Brousseau with podcast art design by Johanna Coxeter. Music for The Bureau is written and composed by Peter Rydberg. The Bureau is a proud member of MSW Media Network, a collection of independent creator-owned podcasts focused on news, politics, and justice. For more information, visit mswmedia.com. Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune in to the Capital Ideas podcast from Capital Group, home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience by listening to the Capital Ideas podcast today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.